Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. We begin a brand new theme this month. It's March already. Can you believe it's March? Man, I am telling you, what a huge blessing it is to see your face, to see, connect with those of you at home, and what a huge blessing it is to be together. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but the world's gone a little bit crazy. Um, I spend very little time watching the news or listening to the news, but it's funny how things can still get, a, get to you that you need to know. Just in little notifications and little things pop up and you go, what? What does that mean? And I just feel like a lot of God's people are at a crossroads. In fact, I'll I'll just tell you what I felt on the the front row here during worship. You know, last year we were believing that by Easter that this would pass over us, you know, in the Passover. I'm thinking it might be this Easter that this thing is, is finally just under our feet. But thank God for his faithfulness during the process of all this time. And I just want you to know that God hadn't forgotten you. No matter what you've been feeling, no matter what you've been going through. And I just say to you this as clearly as I can. I think the enemy played all of us last year. From the greatest person of faith until the person that didn't know the Lord. I think we all got played a little bit. No, no, no. I think we all got played a lot bit. Because while we were chasing this thing, this thing, this thing, the enemy was just kicking the butt of the whole world. And I want to address some things this month in a new series that, that, that I felt to call The Sun Still Rises in Babylon. This thing's been in my spirit for weeks and weeks and weeks. And let's get right into the inerrant, the inspired, the infallible word of the living God that's able to change us and save us. Gonna begin, you know, a few weeks ago uh, in January, I hit on some things in the book of Acts. And I taught on the Acts, I I gave like a five-minute synopsis of the first four books of, the first four chapters of the book of Acts. I wanna talk about a little bit of the book of Acts today The first missions trip of Paul and Barnabas, where I feel we are right now. Acts 13, 49 says this, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Boy, I love that. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city and raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They got kicked out of a city and they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I love that. This is supernatural kingdom joy in the Holy Ghost. Once in Iconium, and I I shouldn't figure, what is Iconium? Probably the city of icons. Icons. Once in Iconium, the apostles went in the synagogue and a whole bunch of people got saved. So the angry Jewish leaders started a whispering campaign, the message Bible says, to smear their reputation, to keep, they figured if they could smear them badly enough, 
that they could stop the revival that was begun, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. But these guys kept preaching the word, and the more the persecution hit, the more God confirmed his word with signs, wonders, and miracles, until that city became divided and a violent group conspired to beat, to beat Paul and Silas. They wanted to stone them. So they withdrew from there, went on to a city called Lystra. And next chapter 14 is where I'm going to pick it up, verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, preaching. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed. Let me stop right there for a second. Under the anointing of God, faith can be seen. Paul saw faith in a crippled man that had never walked in his entire life. He saw the spirit of faith. And seeing he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, by the way, he didn't whisper it, okay, stand up, come on, you can do it. He said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And the man leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the like, like Canaan language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of man. They had instant celebrity, paparazzi, garlands of worship, and they tried to make them human gods. They started getting these shrines together in a matter of moments, as they still do in the East today. I've been in India twice. And if you sit still long enough, listen, there's 300 million gods in India. If you sit still long enough, you'll be one of them. They let perfectly good roast beef walk down the street. Instant celebrity, you'll get that later. Anyway, instant celebrity, paparazzi, they bring this garlands and Paul and Silas, I mean, Paul and Barnabas have to say, no, 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 no. We're not to be worshiped. This wasn't us that did this. This doesn't emanate from us. This is because of the Holy Spirit. This is because of Jesus Christ who is real and alive. They began to preach. Meanwhile, just a few verses later then, after they were about to be worshipped, verse 19 says from the message, then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium caught up with them. So they were followed and turned the fickle crowd against them. They beat Paul unconscious, dragged him outside and left him for dead. Who did? The people that were worshipping him five minutes ago. The people that were about to sacrifice and put garlands of worship around him were now stoning him and left him for dead. But as the disciples gathered around him, he came to and got up. And he went back into town. Now this is, this is where Paul and, and myself would be completely at odds. I am exit stage left. Paul gets up from being stoned not in the good way. I don't mean in any way. Not in a happy way. He got rocked and he says about himself later on that he was killed, that he died. 
that the disciples raised him from the dead there. And he went back into the town the next day, left with Barnabas for Derby. He went back in the same city where they just killed him. Finally, Romans 5.20 from the Passion says this, so then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. Many of you might know that as where sin abounds, grace does much more, much more abound. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart and let your word come alive in this place to change us, shape us, and empower us to move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As I said earlier, the whole world's going crazy. The earth itself seems to be shaking at the moment. I heard a prophetic man of God say last year sometime, Every time God's word is coming forth louder, hell is shaking. And every time hell shakes, the earth feels it. The whole earth seems to be shaking at the moment. Iceland, now over 20,000 earthquakes the last 10 days. Like Pastor Lindsay said, there was a, a 5.6 magnitude earthquake about three miles from Hapnafjura, which is... Um, the outskirts the, uh, of Reykjavik coming in from the airport, from Keflavik, and uh, many of you have been there. It's a residential area, and I mean, it's, there's, there's an aluminum factory there. There's all kinds of stuff there. Just three miles away from residential areas, these things are hitting, and they're feeling them all over, the, all over that country. The same time this past week, New Zealand had an 8.1 earthquake off the coast, 600 miles off the coast, it forced a tsunami warning as far away as Hawaii and Samoa. <clears throat> Argentina, the same time, had a 6.4 open up the center of a long national highway, one foot wide and nine feet deep. In the center of this highway that goes across the middle of South America, if you Google the word earthquakes this week, you will see page after page, story after story of tremors that have happened all over the world just this week alone, including in West Texas, just two, three days ago. Now, folks, I'm not, if you've been here long enough, you know I'm not a big end times um, philosopher. I'm not a big end times teacher. I'm not a, but I always believe in the second coming of Jesus. And though I believe that no man knows the day or the hour, I do believe we're responsible to recognize times and seasons. And earthquakes is not the only be-all, end-all. But when you see these things happening, we're supposed to pay attention to what God is doing. Not to mention the constant threat to freedom of religion and free speech going on in our own country. Recently even calling the Bible hate speech in the Congress hate speech because it disagrees with the LBGTQ philosophy. They're trying to make it law, as you, most of you know. How can the Bible be hate speech when we as God's people know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? 
that whoever simply believes in him would not perish. When common sense has gone out the window to radical extremism, we must remember that truth is only hate to those who hate the truth. God's word can't lie. It's the truth you know, understand, and apply that will set you free. So this month, we're going to look at how we, God's people, his church, are supposed to handle the challenges of modern living and triumph in the midst of overwhelming odds. Our focus this month, how to thrive in the midst of adversity, not just survive it, not just eke out an existence, not just make it through, but how to survive in the midst of adversity. One Christian author wrote, and I quote, some contemporary Christians live in mortal dread of any kind of negative reaction from non-Christians, convinced it would drive people away from the gospel. Not so. Nearly every place Paul the apostle went, he faced trouble. Not the, they said unkind things about me on Facebook type of trouble. But the, they want to kill me kind of trouble. Yet people got saved everywhere and the word of God grew and grew and grew. Let's never forget that the chronicles of the early church is still being written. It's the only book in the New Testament, the book of Acts is the only one that doesn't finish with amen because we're still living in the light of it. We're supposed to be walking it out, living supernaturally powerful lives and natural lives and becoming all that we've been created to be. I remember years ago when the Iron Curtain came down, right as we were starting what was then Spirit Life has become now church, I remember Dr. Lester Sumrall, one of our mentors, telling us, me and my wife and a few of us around, about the churches in Eastern Europe that were exploding with growth right after the fall of the Iron Curtain. Those that were prepared for adversity were growing and thriving. And those who were compromising because of fear of adversity were dying. We live in that moment of decision. Will we be those who rise up to make history? Or will we be those who shrink back and just bow down to the world? Too many arguments going on right now are false arguments. But the true arguments over, are over those things of which the Bible is clear. And we'd better be clear too. We love people. We hate demons. We love God's word. We oppose the doctrines of demons and the seductive spirits. I love this quote from William Arthur Ward. He said, quote, adversity causes some men to break, but others to break records. Let's discuss Babylon for a few minutes. When the Bible talks about Babylon, it was a very real ancient civilization, but it became the spiritual seat of all false religion and represents the spirit of the world. You know, the Bible says in 1 John 2, love not the world, neither the things of the world. 
Because if any man has the love of the world in him, he doesn't have the love of God. He can't love God. Now, that's not saying, listen, God so loved the world. So the difference is one is talking about people and the other is talking about systems. And my friend, I don't care who the president of the United States is, there are people in the government that hate Christians under every administration, and there are people that love God and are standing for truth. We've been arguing about stuff, and I'm telling you, I've realized the last few months, this is not a Republican-Democrat issue at all. We've been telling you, God is calling us to, to prepare for revival, not just pray for election results. Because the book of Acts, people were thriving, and the word of God was going forward in the holy, under the Holy Roman Empire. It was set to destroy them. But the word of God grew, multiplied. The enemy couldn't stop the 12 from becoming 3,000. And the over 3,000 from becoming 8,000 a few weeks later. And the explosion around the world. He can't stop what God's going to do with a billion or more people in this move of God right now. He can't stop it. The devil can't stop it. He's trying to hit it at its infancy. That's why you're feeling what you feel. Because there's a battle for the soul of our nation. But you got to see the big picture, people. Quit arguing over dumb stuff. And let's stand for what needs to be stood for. Let's stand for the truth and choose our battles wisely. The spirit of the world, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of the age. The Germans called it the zeitgeist, the time ghost. The prevailing ideas and beliefs of a particular time period in history. All that junk from the enemy comes from Babel as in the Tower of Babel. Man's desire to build his own stairway to heaven. And I love the song, but I don't like the thought. Three people remember stairway to heaven. Boy, that's a shame. That's a shame. Someday, someday. There's a lady feels sure. No, I won't do it. I won't do it. Babylon comes from the Hebrew word Babel, which means, listen, watch this, to confuse, fragment, and divide, literally to break down unity. My friends, if we don't live in Babylon, I don't know who does. Keep that up for a second. Look at that. You know the story of Babel? People decided to build their own tower to get to heaven for themselves without going through the word of God or relationship with Jehovah. And God said to himself, these people, we've got to find a way. They can't find their own way to perfection without me. So he scattered the people and their languages across the face of the earth. Babylon, to confuse, 
fragment and divide to break down unity, to cause factions or schisms. If that doesn't describe the current atmosphere we live in, I don't know what does. The Bible talks about Babylon at the end of time in the book of Revelation. Jesus said we would go through some trouble. Perhaps part of why the body of Christ seems to be experiencing PTSD from the COVID crisis is because we've become so soft and weak from the lukewarmness of the last season that we became those who just wanted to go to church and get our groove on. Get our, hey, get, get my fix so I can go to work and feel better. The last season has marked some of the worst biblical illiteracy in the church's 2,000 year history. We've had faith a mile wide and an inch deep. John 16, 33 from the message, Jesus said this way, <clears throat> I've told you all this so that trusting me, you'll be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. In this godless world, well, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart. I've conquered the world. Take courage. Do you know courage is something you have to take? take you have to take it. Courage is sitting out there in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Courage was sitting in the room as we were worshiping God a few moments ago and sensed his presence. Courage is sitting there. But somebody has to take it. So I'm not going to bow. This month we're going to talk about Daniel. Daniel came up in the Babylonian, then Persian systems and still found his destiny and calling. And he didn't nag them about every little dumb thing that they did wrong. But he chose his battles wisely. And when it came time that they said, you can't pray to your God, he went home, opened his windows, and said, watch me. God is preserving, preparing, and raising up a mighty remnant. Will you be part of it? Because in the remnant, we win. No matter what the conditions are in the world, those that get strong in the Lord, the power of his might, those that become battle-tested, find victory. I recently noticed something I'd never seen before in the Word, that during the 10 plagues of Egypt, the Israelites only directly experienced the first three plagues. And I looked at it, and it seems to me that they only experienced the first three plagues because <clears throat> after 40 years of slavery, they were asleep. They were, they were, they were away from God. They, there were still people that worshiped, but they didn't have great relationship. And in the first three plagues, <clears throat> pardon me, the Nile turned to blood. The plague of frogs and the plague of lice or gnats 
It seems like the people of God woke up when Egypt kept hardening its own heart. Remember I told you back in November or whenever we preached on tsunami, the the coming revival, the wave of God, I said to you back then, as we looked at the story of going through the Red Sea, and and I showed you the scripture that said that the cloud by day and fire by night repositioned from before between them and the Red Sea to between them and the Egyptians. And the Bible said that the cloud by day and fire by night was complete darkness to the Egyptians, but complete light to the people of God. What I'm telling you is the same, this same victory exists for us today. And it existed during the whole even before they left Egypt, as God was waking them up, they were completely protected and prosperous. I don't have time to go over the whole thing, but I want to give you just a little, just listen to this. It turns out, you know, I don't know about you, but when I say the Bible, sometimes I'm asking a lot of why. Why? I've read this thing on the plagues of Egypt dozens, maybe hundreds of times in my 41 years walking with the Lord. And I've always thought, why? Why this, why that plague? What did that mean? And I began to, I found a, a, a great resource. I began to study and I saw, it turns out that each of the 10 plagues was a direct assault by our God and exposure of the false gods of Egypt that they were trusting in. Pharaoh was worshipped, number one, in their pantheon of gods. Pharaoh, they thought, was a god. Number one, the Nile River was turned to blood. Why? Because the false god Egypt trusted in was called, this is, an, this is ironic, the, the, the false god Egypt trusted in for their commerce and control of their financial system, money was called happy, H-A-P-I. Happy. If you think money is going to make you happy, it's not. So they were trusting in the Nile to get them. That's where their commerce flowed in and out of. So they turned, God said to Moses, touch the Nile with the rod of authority, and it turned to blood. Remember that? There was no no shipping going on. There was no commerce flowing Still, they hardened their hearts. Second plague was frogs. Interesting, one of their goddesses that they worshipped in Egypt, in ancient Egypt, was called Heket. She was a frog-faced deity, which must have been beautiful to behold. A frog-faced deity. This was the goddess of fertility, water, and renewal. Think of the frog, a metamorphosis of a frog from a looking like a fish egg to a tadpole to a frog, it was a mockery of being born again. God gave them all the frogs they could handle. They still wouldn't change their mind. Third, third, um, Third plague was gnats or lice. God said to Moses, go out and I want you to touch the dust in the desert. And it began to flow. 
they worshiped a god called Geb, G-E-B, who was considered the earthly host for the Egyptians. Remember, we all came from dust. And God turned their trust in dust to lice and gnats. Now, this is by this point, the children of Israel were wide awake and repenting before God, crying out, no, okay, we, we know we've drifted from you, Lord. Have mercy on us as your people. So numbers four through nine only hit the Egyptians. Number four is a plague of flies. This was about the Lord of the flies. They call him Kepri. In Hebrew, it was Beelzebub. It was about the Lord of creation. This was a God that looked, has the body of a man, but the face of a fly. Wow. And God protected the Israelites on number four. It hit the Egyptians and the Israelis, the Israelites had no flies with that. Uh, you, see, you missed a good joke right there. You'll get it later. You want flies with that? No. Maggots. Fly larvae grow in filth and rubbish. Number five, disease on livestock. This is interesting. The goddess of love and protection was called Hathor. And they trusted in their livestock and worshipped it to a degree and their whole production. Egyptians, Egyptian cows died. Israelite cows lived. Where's the beef? <laughs> Number six, this is when it started getting personal. They kept hardening their hearts. This is kind of gross. Boils and sores on people's skin. They worshiped a goddess called Isis, which you may have heard of. She was the goddess of medicine, peace, and healing but our God is the only true healer. And as much as they prayed to Isis, they couldn't get delivered from the boils and sores. And it didn't happen to the Israelites. Number seven, hail and fire. This is interesting. Giant hailstones rained down. When you read this, the, the, the biblical account, giant hailstones rained down and turned to fire as soon as they hit the ground. An ice crystal hit and turned to fire. And it destroyed the crops of flax from which they made their clothing and barley from which they made their liquor. God left the crops of wheat unharmed in the seventh plague to allow them bread to eat if they would repent. Even the Egyptians left them space. How many know God doesn't want any man to perish, but wants all to come to him through repentance? <clears throat> so they, but they didn't repent. This, by the way, the hail and fire was, they worshiped the goddess of the sky whose name was Nut. <laughs> True story, look it up. Her name was Nut. I won't even go there with all the jokes. Number eight, locusts. After the other crops, they God wanted them to repent, they hardened their hearts again. But locusts were sent as a substantial destruction of all the leftover crops because they were trusting in this God called Seth. Seth, S-E-T-H, the God of storms, the God of disorder, the God of chaos. 
This was a weird looking one in the hieroglyphics. This was a man's body with the face of an anteater. And I have no idea what even that means. But the locusts then destroyed even the wheat crops. Finally, think about it, darkness. Darkness was the ninth plague. Their biggest god outside of Pharaoh himself was the sun god called Ra, the god of light, the god of the sun. Darkness, the Bible says, hit so strong that you couldn't see your own hand in front of your own face for three days in Egypt. So thick you could feel the darkness. Think about Florida August humidity, how you feel that atmosphere of it. Exodus 10, says this, so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all of the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. What was darkness to the wicked There was light for God's people. Number 10 and last, as you know, was the Passover. Destruction coming to the firstborn in all of Egypt. This time, God gave his people a choice. They weren't covered automatically. They had to do something that would foreshadow the coming of God's own son, Jesus Christ. They had to find spotless, perfect lambs and take their blood and put it over the doorway of their house. And then they had to go in the house, prepare a specific meal that God gave them the whole menu and wait there during the night. You know, in the movie, The Ten Commandments, when they go in to the houses and you hear all the screams of people dying in Egypt in the house of Moses and his family, that's not in the word of God. That's Hollywood. You know, the truth is, the Bible says that the children of Israel didn't even hear a dog bark. They didn't hear the screams. They were in Goshen protected from the horror of that night, worshiping God, eating a good meal, and preparing for their journey. My friends, God, the same God who can protect his people 5,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, can protect people today. But we've got to get our eyes off of all this fear-mongering And all this backbiting, people arguing over, did the prophets get it wrong? Did the prophets get it wrong? What are we going to do with the prophets? What a waste of time. Don't become shaken or discouraged by all the things going on in the world right now. Rest assured that our God still reigns supreme. And nothing, even those things hidden away in secret, escapes his attention. Even in the midst of a corrupt worldly system, God will provide for us, his children. 
And he will do it in abundance until it overflows. It's not time to bury our heads in the sand. It's not time to close our ears and think we should live like ostriches and forget about what's going on, try to pretend. I'll read you this story and then we're done. Dutch Sheet says this, don't be like the desert nomad who awakened hungrily one night and decided he'd have a midnight snack. Lighting a candle, he grabbed a date and took a bite. But holding the date to the candle, he spotted a worm. Whereupon he threw the date out of the tent. Biting into the second date, holding up to the light, he found another worm and he threw it away also. Deciding he might not get anything to eat if this continued, he blew out the candle and ate all the dates. <laughs> My friends, use your discernment. Throw out the dates with the worms. Keep the light on. Keep seeing what God is doing because faith is not denial. Denial is a river in Egypt. God's voice must be louder than the world's right now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Holy Ghost, would you breathe in us? Breathe life into us. Thank you, Lord, for revival. Thank you for the spirit of revival moving in and through your church. Thank you, Lord, that we will not be shaken, neither will we be pulled into falsely choosing sides of arguments that make no sense. Because we trust you. Father God, we trust in you with all of our hearts. And we don't lean on our own understanding in these times and seasons, but we know that you are coming back. We know that you are coming for your people, God. Coming in victory. Coming in joy. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment, I'll ask you a couple of questions. And this is the bottom line. Are you right with God? What if all these things going on in the world really are the fulfillment of biblical end time prophecy? Is your heart strongly sold out to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are you jumping into the fray of every false argument that's on social media? Now is the acceptable time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you're here today, you may be connecting with us at home. This is the moment to repent. This is the moment to wake up. You don't, do, do you have to see the exposure of all the false gods in our world that's coming because God will not share his glory with other gods. In case you didn't notice, the first part of the Ten Commandments is, I am a jealous God. You shall have no other gods before me. When someone stands, when a congressman stands up, and I don't care what party he's from, but if a congressman stands on the floor of the U.S. Congress as happened this week and says to someone who's calling the Congress to repent, for going against God's order and someone says the will of God is not 
doesn't mean anything to this house. The will of God means nothing to this house of representatives that was set on the floor this week. My friends, you're getting really, really close to some stuff because our God will not sit aside forever and wink his eye at sin. And he will not wink his eye at defiant rebellion of his creation. But even as things are exposed, we'll be protected if we're trusting in him. If you're here today or you're there at home and your heart has grown cold, maybe you knew the Lord as a child or as a youth, but you've not been walking with him and you know it, you've been compromising with your feelings, your emotions, even your lusts. The Bible says the cure is one thing, repentance, to change direction, to surrender your heart to God, to see your sin for what it is, to quit rationalizing, justifying it, and trying to get people to accept it. God so loved the world that he gave his own son. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to live for God. I want to know this God you're talking about. I want to know him in a real way. Folks, I'm not preaching religion. Religion is not going to save you. But Jesus already paid the price. And he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. Today, he's standing at the door of his church. Not just now church, but all over the world and knocking on the door of his own house, seeing if anybody will let him in. If you're here today and you need prayer, would you lift your hand up right now and keep it up? Just be honest about it. Just be honest about it. We're not gonna have you come to the front. Just lift your hand up and keep it up. Hands are going up all over the place. I wanna pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every person whose hand is raised, every person whose heart is open, everyone who's been confused or weak or abandon the faith, those who don't know you, Holy Spirit, we are desperate for Jesus. And I ask you to reveal yourself. Today, let blind eyes open. Let spiritually blind eyes open in Jesus' name to see what's really going on. And Lord, we thank you showing your glory. Those with your hands raised and people around them, you know, everybody, me, even at home right now, just say this out loud with me. Just say, Jesus, I surrender to your calling for my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Change me from the inside out and help me to live for you. Fill me with your spirit. Breathe life into me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you met that prayer today, we want to help you on your journey. We want to help you on your walk. If you need a Bible, we have a free Bible. You can see Pastor Chris. Pastor Chris, raise your hand if you will. See this man after church. If you need a Bible, you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We want to help you on your journey. We have next steps that begin second service. If you can say that's, the, that's a, 
It's an entry. It's a growth. It's a, it's a place to come in and start your walk with God on a brand new footing. Four weeks, four Sundays during second service during the preaching of the word. We invite you to stay and be a part of that. See what God wants to do in your life. Amen. Did you get something today? We bless the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. I, I know I took a little longer. I know I took a, long, a little longer going to the 10 plagues of Egypt there, but I just found it so interesting for my own personal study. And some of you that like, the, like some good nuggets like that, it's pretty cool, isn't it? To understand what God's doing. If he did it then to the world system of Egypt, he's gonna do it wherever the world system takes charge in America and around the world. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.